0: to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for dropping back by, and hey, we're stuck with talking about the defending world champion Houston Astros. I mean, that's all we got to talk about anymore with the rocket season now over, but it's a nice problem to have. Wait, aren't you excited about Texans OTAs? You usually are. Oh, I'm always excited. Go to Lockdown Texans and find out. Yeah, no, I'm still... Pumping uh, OTA stuff out. So, yeah, that's uh, thanks for the plug. But uh, that, that voice you heard, RG Seal, my co-host, and maybe the only guy that hasn't blown a save for the Astros in the last couple of weeks. RG, what's going on with this bullpen? Whoa. <laughs> Already going to the Astros bullpen. But you know what?
1: As we're recording this, That is the Astros' most pressing need right now. There's no question about it. Right now, the record is, what, 37-23? Is it 37-24? Suffice to say, they're in second place, the Mariners. We all believe that the Astros are going to overtake the Mariners, that they're going to end up winning the AL West. So this is more about what playing to October. And right now, this team is in search of a closer. Once again, closing out the Sunday night game, I know it wasn't a safe situation, but Ken Giles was ineffective. He hasn't been able to be a a very good closer so far to start out in 2018. So the Astros are going to be in the market for a closer. Everybody, it's not a secret around baseball, right? So it's just, who's it going to be? Are they going to be able to acquire somebody like a a Zach Britton from the Orioles who's coming back from an injury? Are they going to get a Kelvin Herrera from the Royals? Are they going to go after maybe a Brad Hand who's not like like kind of traditional, like big name closer, but has been closing for the Padres, a left-hander? Yeah, you know, there are there are guys that are out there. We just don't know who it's going to be. But the Astros have to add to their bullpen.
0: This is what my concern is, RG. Yeah, they need a closer. And what we know about baseball, and especially I guess over this era, or maybe it's just you know forever, is that you don't get closers typically two months before the deadline. You got to wait till the trade deadline. And can the Astros afford to continue to go game after game? where they're blowing saves. Cause I don't see where it ends. I mean, on Twitter, I asked uh, everybody on Houston sports talk. I said, Hey, if the Astros make the postseason, are there any relievers that you trust?
1: Hey, well, I, 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 I want to jump in there though. You said that just right now, you said that closers don't get, get traded, but uh, pretty much like just this past, uh, we, it, Alex Colomb, right. He was uh, dealt to the uh, Seattle Mariners. So, I mean, that's that's somebody who's a, a closer. And so, you know, you have uh, you have him so that, that I mean, the Rays traded him at the end of May. So that's somebody that Seattle added to the back end of their bullpen. But I mean, if you're the Kansas City Royals, you want to build up the interest you want to build up with you have Kelvin Herrera, who's going to be a free agent. You want to see how many bidders that you can get, how many teams that are in there. Then you also have like, again, with Zach Britton, he's coming back from an injury. So you don't want to, even if the Astros were to trade for him now, he'd be down in the, he'd be do, re- doing rehab in the minor league. He wouldn't be able to come in and be, be there right now. So, but I mean, it would signal, it would say, okay, here's the that the Astros have. And I, I'm looking big picture. I mean, I I know you're talking about the Seattle Mariners. And again, all the credit to the Mariners. They pr- really played well. I thought that they would fade after Robinson Canoes injury. Instead, they've gone in the opposite direction. They've been uh, simply sensational. But I mean, if we look at the Astros starting pitching, if we look at the talent on the Astros, we look kind of the disappointing start in a lot of ways that this team has had. And yet they're, they're still 37 and 24. And they've just been playing the Red Sox and the Yankees, who are their biggest opponents. OK, they're the, the best teams in the American League. Those are the be the teams that they ultimately and Cleveland, too, who they've been playing. Those are the teams that are probably going to have to go through the AL in order to be uh, win another pennant again this year so I you know big picture speaking I, I agree with you that the Astros need to address the bullpen I mean that's what they need to do but let's not like also panic because they're a game or two out behind the San- Seattle Mariners right now and that they're having some woes it's still June it's still I, I still really feel confident about the Astros it's just more what they have to do to
0: prepare for October they're not a perfect team they have some holes when can I panic because it seems like they can't close out a game you're now one game behind Seattle. Your starters are giving you one great outing after another, but as we've said, you know the history of baseball, that just doesn't go on and on. You don't get Cy Young out of every all five but, but guys. Let, but let's look who they. Let's look who they've been losing to. In mean, last week, it was the Cleveland Indians who won
1: over 100 games last year. Who you said always play well against the Astros, and that was up in Cleveland. They just, I, they they blew a, uh, a save to the Yankees. Well, the Yankees are the best team in they have the best lineup in baseball. They're the most talented team in baseball. They just split two with the Red Sox, who have the best record in in baseball. They they again they blew a game late against the Red Sox. I mean, they're they're not blowing it to you know uh, the Tampa Bay Rays here at least right, right right now. They're not they're not doing it against the the Texas Rangers. Although they haven't played the Rangers as well as they probably could have, uh, you know this year. But still, I mean, they're they're losing to the best teams. I agree with you on the overall point, the bullpen needs to be better, okay? We we all know that. We know the Astros need to get it closer. We know they need to improve their bullpen. But let's also, like, look at the competition that they've been playing and blowing these games to. But those are, at the same time, to your point, those are teams are going to have to go through to win in October. So they have to address the bullpen. They have to get those bullpen arms. And I thought they raised a very good point on, on ESPN, is essentially... A lot of these guys are auditioning for two spots because we know once the postseason comes around, if there are no injuries, knock on wood with the Astros, the starters are going to be Justin Verlander, uh, Garrett Cole, uh, and then you're going to have Charlie Morton, right? Because they've just, uh, the way that things stand right now, then probably Dallas Keuchel. I know that you might disagree a little bit on that. It's easier to shift like a Lance McCullers to the bullpen where he worked out of it last year. Then you
0: might have a a Brad Peacock for swing innings, and then you go out and you
1: get your closer, your Zach. Hold hold up,
0: hold up! Before you go through all of that, because you're you're getting into right what I was trying to say. I I said on Twitter, if the Astros make the postseason, are there relievers you trust? Seventy three percent said no, and I'm talking about are the relievers that you trust? I put like that you trust. I didn't say that could close out of games. I said that you could trust. So we're talking about. Who do you trust coming out of the bullpen? You can't go through the postseason again. I mean, okay, fine and good. The- Haley's Comet happened. And they-, they, got- they got by with Brad Peacock and, uh, you know, Charlie Morton closing out some important games. Even Lance McCullers closing out some po- important games in the playoffs. And they got through it with the rest of their bullpen basically being a total and complete disaster. It, it was like some sort of explosion had happened, and they all stunk. Well, now you got a bunch of guys right now that nobody with the Astros that are fans, they don't trust these guys come the postseason. Late in games, it's a, it's a who do you trust thing. Now, right now, Astros fans said, and I, I gave them four choices, Devo, Giles, Rondon, and McHugh, who would you want to close with? They said Rondon, 43%. Maybe he's a guy that some people would trust a little bit in the postseason. But this isn't. this might not just be getting a closer. The Astros – might need to pick up two bullpen arms. Well, they might, but that but this is all fake news to me. Who would they close at the end of the season right now? Right with no, no. no I my question wasn't the end of the season. I, I, that question was just right now. Who do you trust to close the games? I didn't. Yeah, say Yeah, and
1: that, I mean that's a legitimate question too. I don't. I don't feel good with Giles out there. I'd probably rather have Chris Davinsky because he's shown it in the past and done that. I know Rondon's been a closer before and did that. I mean he had a really a bad year with the Cubs. That's why they basically let him go after the season. So he's another person because he's had experience. Say, Game, so I could put I could see him being in the ninth inning role. But ultimately, again, we're looking big picture here. We're looking at the the broad canvas, right? We're going in and we're and we're looking at this, and we're saying with the Astros, you know, they're trying to win a championship, win a title. So it's more about like how how best position for October. That's where the fun's going to be. In fact, they've just finished playing the Yankees. They aren't going to play them again until the postseason. If they hopefully they will, because that that will be a great matchup, and it means the Astros are back in the playoffs. Of course, we're having uh, you know. Uh, getting into a series again with Boston, uh, I, Boston, they do play again in September, but they're also finished with the Indians. So a lot of their main opponents are already finished with. So again, it's like more like they still have to take care of the division. I mean, the angels are improved. The the Mariners are improved. O- Oakland's good. So really there's only one bad team in the division. I think the AL West is, is a very good division. So it's, it's, you, you know, the Astros are still going to have to get to the playoffs, but with this starting rotation being so superb, the run differential, uh, do you have that number with you handy? The last time I looked, what was it like around, uh, what, 123 for the run di- differential? They just uh, have been
0: pretty incredible. Yeah, there's a lot of numbers that feels like you can sort of play with with the Astros. It's like, yeah, their bullpen ERA is great. But we know we've seen them. The eye test is there. It's not a great bullpen. So th- there's stuff like that. But there's no question. We all we, we all agree that they got to get a closer. That's got to happen. There's There's no doubt. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. We agree on this, RG. There's not an argument here. We both agree that the, they got to get a closer. They got to.
1: But then again, come October, they will have a closer. And then you have somebody like, like again, If I'm, if I was doing the rotation right now for the playoffs, I would be – I'd have Keichel in there because I just like how he mixes his stuff. He's a left-hander. He's crafty. He's a different look than than uh, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, who are these hard flamethrowers that are great and awesome, and Charlie Morton even with his fastball and breaking stuff. I just like having mixing that Dallas Keichel in there to maybe throw off hitters timing in between the starts of the flamethrowers, correct? So then you have like – and
0: a a a let's get there first. Let's get there first, and b let's get there healthy. With those five guys, you got to get there healthy. And I'm not counting on all five of these guys being healthy. We were lucky. All five of them were healthy last year, but that doesn't necessarily happen every year.
1: Sure, Of course, I'm saying all things being equal, if they're all healthy right now, who would be, you know, and last year they had success putting either one of the guys is going to have to do the book because they're not going to start five starters in the postseason. So they're going to move. They're going to start 4 they're going to move somebody to the bullpen and who that will be. And then you have your closer, right. If you can get a Zach Britton, if you can get a Kelvin Herrera, you can get whomever to come in, close out game. And then you can have like the, you know, a, a Devo, you can still have, you know, uh, I don't even know if Giles, you know, if we want to talk about that right now, or Rendon, whoever's hot. You can, I mean, you can really sort in games because your starters will be going still. A uh, Justin Berlander, you hope he goes to seven or eight innings in October like he did last year. I mean, a Garrett Cole can go six or seven. You get these guys, and then you just need to find who can – Who we have our closer who can fill the ninth, and you look for your seventh and eighth inning pitchers. Who could be – a Lance McCullers could pitch those two innings. So, again, it's like, you know, you have these ways to kind of like – once it gets to October, but yeah, October baseball is completely different than regular season baseball. So uh, another thing that we really need to address and, and probably I know you have some opinions on is on, Oh, our, our, our friends with the lineup and that's Jake Mariznick, And I, I know you have some thoughts about Jake and, and whether or not he should continue to be on the roster.
0: I don't have any question about, cause I know he's going to be on the roster most likely. Uh, m- my only thing with Jake is, and, and this, this has to do with the injuries to Redick. I mean, if Reddick was you know around, I think there would be no question right now. Uh, Jake Marisnik needs to be playing once a week. He's your fifth outfielder. He comes in for defense late in games. It's pretty much that simple. He's, he's, he's not a good offensive player. He's not been a good offensive player. He can't get the bat on the baseball. That's a huge problem with Jake. Uh, he's maybe six twenty-five since he's been back, which isn't terrible, but he's still tri- striking out at, a, at an alarming rate. Um, what's going to happen most likely is that Josh Reddick will come off the injured list. This is this is my guess. He comes off the injured list. JVD Davis goes back down. Reddick goes back into the lineup. Uh, obviously he needs to get his butt in gear because Josh Reddick. Yes. He had a career year in his whatever 10 year career that he's had uh, with over 300 last year, great OPS, did, did, you know, everything he's dropped about a hundred points on his average. That's the big point. Uh, it, it, as far as this, that was from last year, but just over his career, you know, he's dropped 30 or 40 points on his average. So, so obviously he, he needs to put the spider bite behind him and he needs to get it going a little bit. And, and he's a guy that I need to see a little bit of a turnaround. Now Marwin Gonzalez, you know, had a career a year. We weren't expecting it, but even if he goes back to his average, his OPS has got to be a hundred points better. His average has got to jump up about 30 or 40 points as the season goes along My question to you, when you look at this lineup and you look at Marwin and you look at Josh Reddick and other guys in the lineup, uh, who has been the most disappointing to you and who do you think we're going to see the biggest improvement from over the next four months of the season?
1: Wow, that's. uh, I would say the most disappointing to me has been Marwin Gonzalez. Not that he just had that breakoff season last year. It was so clutch in so many ways, but you know, I was just expecting him. I wasn't expecting him to come back and be a 300 hitter, but he was just he's always been such a, a clutch hitter, such a useful uh, a player on the roster and he still gives you the flexibility on defense and doing everything, but I mean to me, you know, his current numbers right now, I mean, it, it he's hitting 225 and overall that's 642 uh, uh what is it uh it's a slugging percentage so i i just think with him i mean i was expecting okay he hits you know 250 260 gives you some power you know we're doing that but Uh, I mean, to have a a, a slugging percentage number like that after what he gave you last season, especially his clutch home run off of Kenley Jansen in the World Series, it really turned everything around for the Astros. So he's been slow out of the gates. So, I mean, I'm also hoping that that will pick up for him over the second half because he's so indispensable to the lineup for all the different positions that he plays. The others that you mentioned, I mean, I've been disappointed with Gaddis. He's shown some, but he's hit over 300 of, of late. And he started to pick himself up, have some more power Uh, like Josh Reddick's been on the disabled list. So he's had some injury problems. Uh, You know, it's been disappointing there, too. So some of the other ones you've mentioned and and, and Jake Marisnik, I totally agree with what you said. He's a he's he's a guy to have if he's going to be on the roster. He's a guy that plays once a week. You know, he he pinch hits. He's a ninth inning defensive replacement. That's what he is. You know, he's he's not somebody that you want playing every single day of the week, which the Astros have to, had to do lately with the injuries to to Reddick and uh, Derek Fisher going down to triple A after, you know, also being on the DL. So it's just like he's had to play and you really you only want him to play once a week just to get that spot duty and come in, and be, you know, a, a pinch runner defensive replacement, because like you said, he's really struggled. And he had a great year with home runs last year. Jake Marisnick did. What do you have? 18 home runs. He, was, he really showed the power. And so uh, he has that type of power. And maybe that's why the Astros still like to have him coming off the bench and doing that. But he's not making contact. He's just uh, had a terrible uh, season to start so far. You you just want to be able to still have if he is going to be on the roster, if he's not sent down. Uh, you don't want to you don't want to be playing him every single day. He's he's a backup. He's a fifth outfielder.
0: Quietly, a guy that I think has been a, a little bit of a disappointment for me is Carlos Correa. He, he's batting in the 260s. Uh, he's striking out more than he was last year. And the thing about Carlos Correa that's really disappointed me is I, I want to see – I think Carlos Correa can be a consistent 300-hitter. He should be a 300-hitter. I agree with you on that. I think he's got that talent. And the the thing that bothers me most about Correa is he looks at way too many good pitches early in count in counts. I, we've seen it throughout the history of baseball. Look, the, the best time to, to hit a pitch is usually the first pitch because hitters – you know, pitchers like to get in front. They like to get that first strike, especially – this day and age where, you know, they know how important it is. They know guys like to move the count as, as far out as possible. So Correa has got to learn how to pick a pitch, you know, at the beginning, either the first or second pitch and try to hit it. Because that a lot of times is where you're going to get the best pitch to hit. And he gets down 0-2, 1-2 in counts way, way too often. Hey, you know what? Maybe he misses the bat whisperer
1: because his, his good buddy and a, a fellow Puerto Rican, Carlos Beltran, last year, remember how close relationship that they had and talking it over, and he got him to be more selective at the plate and, you know, work working pitches and examining him. I'm sure he's taking all of that in, but it still would be nice when you had that, that fellow player that you could always go to, that veteran sage on the bench. But yeah, I mean, Carlos Correa, I still think over the course of the season, he's a great player. He's phenomenal uh, he's playing excellent defense, at least if he's having struggles at the plate, like you mentioned, and not living up to the expectations, it hasn't taken away from his defense. He's been sensational on the field. And I, I do think there's room to grow there, but I think that's an interesting one that you mentioned because everybody thought coming into this season, this is a MVP candidate. He's not playing MVP level, uh, for, I mean, I'm talking about like AL MVP, even Astros MVP. And so who who would you look at right now in that lineup? And you'd say, other than Jose Altuve, of course, who's simply brilliant. And uh, there was an article last week, by the way, people check it out from Joel Sherman and the New York Post comparing Jose Altuve to to Derek Jeter. I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, But besides Jose Altuve, who's been the brightest spot in the lineup for you so far this season?
0: Well, the easy one for me is Max Stassi. I mean, because nobody expected it. And the guy just still rakes. And I love the way... You know he's got a super quick swing. You know it's it's hard to get the ball past him, and you know he's he we keep thinking there's going to be a drop off, but it's you know we're we're at 30 plus games and he just keeps doing it. But you know the improvement that Bregman has made his at bats they're never bad. He never has a bad at bat anymore. I mean rarely do do you get him out on one bad pitch or early in the count. It's just not going to happen. So to me Bregman's been the brightest spot. But quietly, George Springer, he continues to be just really darn good. I mean, you know, he, he he struggled a little bit for after the first couple of games, and he had a little bit of a slump. But since then, since then he's been rock solid. He's been consistent. Uh, you know, you can't say enough. And you've got to forget about him sometimes. You forget about how solid George Springer is on a day-in-a-day-out basis. He's hitting home runs. He's stealing bases more than we've seen him do it. So, I mean, we can't forget about George, but obviously, I mean, I love what Bregman's doing. Max Stassi, it's a given. That guy's been great. RG, I'm going to give you the one big positive from the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Indians and what I saw with the Astros that I think does have a factor in the playoffs besides the bullpen issues on the bad side. I will give you the positive from that. The Astros look like they are the most fundamentally sound of those four teams between Astros or between Red Sox. Yankees, Indians, by far. Yankees look like the bad news bears. They won a game where they had five errors. The Red Sox don't look all that fundamentally sound. They never do. The Red Sox never uh, remind me of a team that's super fundamentally sound. The Indians are, you know, obviously Lindor is great, but they've got some holes elsewhere. But the Astros hit the cutoff, man. You know, they they throw guys out uh, on relays. Uh, They don't make these too many little mistakes. I mean, Jose Altuve didn't get a double play on Sunday night on a double play ball because he bobbled it We, it's, it's like you know you almost hold your breath like what how did that happen but that's because the Astros are so good fundamentally we come to expect it it is so expected by Astros fans now but you can't discount that and that's going to matter in October
1: yeah well you again pitching hitting and defense right and so a lot of people forget about that defensive aspect of the game and you're right going out there where you can save runs and and do the the fundamentals correctly I mean, I've even seen like not only with their defense, but playing the Astros playing a little bit of small ball recently, uh, you know, now, now that they have Tony Kemp in the lineup. I even saw Jake Marisnik lay down bunts and I was like, whoa, wait, I thought this was the uh, golden age of analytics and uh, the bunt was to be a shoot at all costs, right? <laughs> so and now you have like where the Astros are doing the little things. And like you said, hitting the cutoff person, uh, playing very good defense, uh and doing things that are going to be important come October. And again, these are ways if you're struggling or if, you, if you're if you not hitting, you know, maybe the Astros' offense will be what we're discussing right now. Like you said, Carlos Correa, Amarwin Gonzalez. Maybe they call up – we haven't even mentioned it right now. Do they call up Kyle Tucker at some point? You know, he gives a jolt to the lineup. Maybe the offense will be really what kind of picks up the team in the second half and comes alive and is more of what we saw last year but if not we at least know that the Astros can that that's why I really always feel confident about them as long as again like they can st- stay away from injuries uh you know and they get some bullpen help of course they have the they have the starting rotation they have the good defense they have players who now know what it takes to win to win a, a championship they have the 2007 wor- 17 world title uh they're the defending champions and, uh, you know, they do the little things correctly. And that's also a tribute to A.J. Hinge because uh, he's the manager and, you know, kind of starts from the top. And, he you know, making sure that your players are doing all the correct things. That's, uh, again, like a, a good a manager and coaching staff make sure that those things are done. So and and the players on the field, like you said, with the Red Sox and the Yankees. Uh, struggle. I couldn't believe that one game where the Astros, you know, ended up losing, even though the Yankees had five errors. It's one of the crazy things about baseball. Uh that that'd be like the the in the Rockets game, you know, if they had ended up pulling that one out even though they missed 27 three pointers in that game seven. I I know I'm not supposed to remind you about that. That was a bad thing. But uh you know, I mean it's just like crazy things like that. When you have five errors, you shouldn't end up winning a ball game. So, you know, but again, like you said with the Astros doing the little things correctly having those fundamentals, playing well. I mean, they they do have the good fundamentals. They do have the good essential. under. That's why people are still optimistic about them. They're not a perfect team, and some people might now be saying, okay, yeah, I I hear you, but the Yankees are better, and maybe they are right now, or the Red Sox are better. Maybe they are right now, but don't count the Astros out. Never underestimate, uh, underestimate the heart of a champion, like Rudy T
0: said. One guy you mentioned was AJ Hinch, but I also have to credit another sort of police on the field, and you saw what kind of policeman he was on the field. Jose Altuve, when uh, we saw Lance McCullers throw a little fit after an error, a, a, a rare, rare, rare error by Yuli Gurriel, which was, I believe, his first and only one of the season, and Altuve goes the, on the way back to the dugout. You know, he reads McCullers the Riot Act, and and that and that to me. It's just one of those great moments. It's a great moment because you see what kind of leader this guy has become and the expectation level of the Astros. Like, we don't put up with that. We don't put up with you behave a certain way. You, you know, you present yourself a certain way. You know, you treat your teammates a certain way. That's the way we do things. That's the Astros way. It's something that Biggio and Bagwell would have done and just, you know, love seeing that from, we don't normally see it in public, but I'm sure there's been some of those conversations in private and you, we talked about kyle tucker a lot this year you mentioned his name but i got to mention my man crush because my minor league man crush these days it's a guy that i have loved for a couple of years now but tyler white and 191 fresno grizzly at bats he's got a 335 average he's got a 980 ops but even more amazing 28 strikeouts so uh it's just unfortunate that, you know, his two main positions are first and third base. He's not tremendously great at either one of them, but they're obviously roadblocks over there. Uh, but he, he could he could easily be the Astros DH next year. And, and it's a guy that uh, I, I trust can hit no matter, you know, if he was hitting in single A or if he was hitting in the World Series. I think Tyler White's going to know how to make a bat meet a baseball, not strike out. He'll know what to do, whatever level he's at. It's just a matter of, can he get on the field? Is there a way that you can get him out there, whether it's DH or first base or whatever down the road. Um, but, you know, love Tyler White. Also want to mention this, uh, not as good a news as Tyler White. This was uh, maybe some old man crushes for, for uh, minor league man crushes for Astros fans. Josh Hader. Hey, Mike Fires. what he did last year, saving the pitching staff. Uh, because of uh, his innings that he was able to get while the rest of the pitching staff was on the disabled list was absolutely huge. But just as easily, the guy that he was traded for could have come up and maybe given you some innings as well. And what this guy is doing now is unbelievable. Josh Hader is getting 18 strikeouts per nine innings with the Brewers. He's throwing 200 miles per hour, or roughly, (laughs) with an ERA and a whip that would make Verlander jealous. It, it might make Verlander's wife jealous too. I mean, it's unbelievable, RG. This guy has all of a sudden, it's, it's one of the best arms in baseball. And I, I remember one of the things that people were kind of questioning about Josh Hader when he was coming up. Well, I don't know if he's got like a number one or number two arm. I don't know what he was showing when he was in A with the Astros. But looks like one-arm to me. Not only looks like a one-arm, he might be number one like uh, reliever in baseball very shortly with the numbers he's throwing up. <laughs> and he's a lefty.
1: Yeah, definitely. He was somebody that you uh, now, in retrospect, with that trade with the Astros. Of course, there was a Carlos Gomez trade as well with Mike Fires. But Mike Fiers, you know, played well for the Astros, like you said. Uh, it's just that uh, they gave up Brett Phillips and they gave up Josh Hader. And Josh Hader looks like a, a superstar of the bullpen. And that's exactly what the Astros could – could uh use right now. He's had a fantastic start this season like you mentioned those numbers and uh you know all the credit to him. Uh he's really pitching well. I mean, he's a strikeout artists coming out of there. So, uh you know, I, I think that's why Milwaukee uh they're they're one of the teams in the the NL Centrals an LA a really interesting division to watch right now cuz you have these teams, you have uh the Cubs, you have the Cardinals, you have the Pirates, you have the Brewers. Uh, I mean, that's going to be a pretty wild division. Only the Reds are pretty much, you know, the out of it in that division. So, uh, but yeah, again, Josh Hader. You hate to like say, oh, that's a former Astro. You look around, you see J.D. Martinez with the the Red Sox just crushing the ball and you know, uh, NL MVP candidate. And then you look over at Josh Hader and and you realize, well, at least the Astros won a world series. If we hadn't won a world series, I'd be crying in my beer right now. But uh, in fact, the Astros do have a world series and are going for another one back to back here. At least uh, I get over those former Astros more than I used to be able to, when I would see them go off and be successful and win
0: championships for other teams. You know, I didn't want to say anything last week, but uh, prior to our game seven podcast, I had four root canals. I didn't want to tell anybody about it, but uh, suck on it, P.J. Tucker. I had four root canals before our our Game 7 podcast. Scoreboard is what you're trying to say there? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Hey, let's talk about the Rockets, and you know what? There's nothing that could be better for the Rockets than LeBron James scoring 50, his teammates doing knuckleheaded things out on the floor, the the Cleveland Cavaliers losing in in an all-time great game, uh, now they're down 0-2, likely to get swept. He's like, man, I wish I had some better teammates. I wish I had some guys that could help me out. Even elimination James Harden. Even bad James, uh sucky James Harden. I, I would take a little James Harden right now to help me out. I would take I would take a little hamstring injured for for uh two games in the playoffs or in the Western Conference Finals, Chris Paul that would have at least, that guy would have at least helped me out for five games. It's it's good news for the Rockets, RG. Yeah, I mean,
1: we'll have to see. Uh, that first game of the NBA Finals, I mean, I don't know what you, thought. again, yeah, I mean, LeBron, I I mean, they had all those memes after it, there was, with J.R. Smith, because uh, I thought you'd make one of your, uh, you know, who who's, who's, sh- why didn't Jr. shoot it and who shot J.R.? I can make some kind of joke with that because you're a big 80s fan. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, the end of that game where J.R. Smith could just shoot the ball, okay, right? I mean, he had uh, the opportunity there. Instead, he dribbles it back out and basically goes into overtime and the Cavs end up losing. LeBron can't believe it, but he scores over 50 that game. It was truly incredible. They came back, the, the Cavs had their chance to win. And you know... We watch this with the Rockets, right? As soon as you have a chance to win against Golden State, credit the Rockets. When they did, you know, they got down to the wire. and Chris Paul, of course, they had the games where they won there close towards the end. When you have Golden State where you can you got to be able to, you know, step on their throats and, and beat them because the champs aren't going to go down. And they'll also end up killing, which they did. Uh, Steph Curry went wild for for threes in the second half of game two. Uh, yeah, And, and uh, they blow teams out, you know, that's what they do. So if you have a chance to win, you can't waste a game that you you should win against Golden State. You can't give them one. Effectively, the Cavs wrapped it up in a boat. They gifted them a game. You can't get that back. And that that made what could have been a six or seven game series, because if Hey, even if they lose game two, they go back to Cleveland. Maybe they split it. you got five, six games, you know, so you get a lot. now, like you're saying, it's going to be a sweep. I mean, Golden State blows them out. You know, nobody's expecting in Cleveland for them to. I mean, maybe Cleveland can win a game in Cleveland, but everybody's expecting this to be over in four, maximum five now. And it just it t- changed the whole complexion of the series. It's really disappointing. And getting point back to your point about the Rockets. Yes, it could be. It's very good for the Rockets. It's very good for the Los Angeles Lakers it's very good for the Philadelphia 76ers these teams are chasing LeBron James and saying leave Cleveland you can get better better help where we are uh, yeah that he's going to be the most coveted free agent or as we discussed the last program it's just how do you fit him into the roster but, but I mean we know that Daryl Daryl Moore is going to move heaven and earth to find a way to bring LeBron James to Houston or if not LeBron James and Paul George they're they're the, or the Rockets the hey give credit to Tillman for for, for Tita and Daryl Morey and and Mike D'Antoni, these guys, you know, in the whole roster, they they want to be able to, James Harden and Chris Paul, you know, the rest of them, they want to be able to win. They want to be able to go out and get a championship. Came so close, it's got to put it, it put it in my mouth. I'm just a fan watching the game and put it in your mouth, too, to be so close and just not get to an NBA finals. This think about that front office and what they're going through right now. So hey, it's just going to be. What do the Rockets do? What are the salary cap implications?
0: Okay, I'm going to give my – this is how you get LeBron James thing. And hang with me here, kids, because let's be honest, okay? If, if you're watching this se- season and you're watching this series and you've watched the playoffs, you understand this is pretty simple math. LeBron, he's trying to catch Michael Jordan, the legacy. There's only one team that's going to get him championships soon, and that's the Houston Rockets. I mean – we could talk about Philadelphia, but don't think Philadelphia is going to be like the easy way to get you championships because now you got to go through Boston, and they're going to have Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward back, and you probably are going to have to go through Golden State. Maybe you are going to have to go through the Rockets, uh, uh, but uh, who knows? But you are going to have to go through a couple of teams over in the Eastern Conference. You know, not just you know sail through the East like you have in past years. And obviously, with the with what he's got, they've got no way to really move around the pieces because it's a bunch of junk they've got on the roster outside of possibly Kevin Love and Kevin Love in the modern day NBA structure just isn't as good a trade piece as he used to be. So let's look at it. I mean, the Rockets are his best chance. Uh, If you're LeBron James, you absolutely want to rest a little bit the next couple of years. You you don't want to have to play 82 games a year and every single playoff game and every single minute of every playoff game. You would like to rest your legs and extend your career, and to do that, it helps to have James Harden. You talk about James Harden postseason, but James Harden regular season is MVP. James Harden, he's in the top three every single year, so James Harden's going to help you out, and you could take off a couple of games because James Harden. Oh, it's we're playing Sacramento tonight. We just need James Harden. That's it. We should be able to beat Sacramento without me. So if if I'm LeBron James, uh, the Rockets, you know. Are the, place to, are the team to go to. So then it's a matter of, RG, how do you fit – what do you do money-wise? How do you make this happen? And I keep hearing people say, well, Chris Paul, there's this secret agreement that you know, we're going to give Chris Paul the max. Well, first of all, Daryl Morey would never have told Chris Paul, look, you know what I'm going to do for you th- when you're 34 years old and you're more injured and you're older and point guards always get worse as you know towards this part of their career – I'm going to promise you five years, $35 million a year. I mean, that's not, that didn't happen. I mean, I don't, I don't care what people are saying that didn't happen. And Daryl Morey, uh, probably said, Hey, do you want to win? Come here. You know, that, that was probably the pitch. And Chris Paul is the biggest competitor in the NBA. That guy wants to win about as much as anybody that there is in this league. Uh, you know, he might not be as talented as LeBron James, but he's as big a competitor as any of these guys. So when I look at, uh, you know, Chris Paul, he should get maybe 23, 4, 5 a year. There's, they're not going to give him that much money. There's no team. You could go, go through team by team. Go find a team that Chris Paul is going to get offered the max from uh, for the next five years. Nobody out there will do that. There's, there's no team that's got the money. Nobody's got any salary cap room this, this summer except really terrible teams and uh, Philadelphia. He doesn't fit in with the Sixers and Ben Simmons. That's not going to work. So he's not going anywhere. There's nowhere for him to go if he wants to win, and he wants to win, and that's Chris Paul. So this idea that you're going to have to give him max money is a bunch of garbage. Ryan Anderson, I don't know how they get rid of him. I mean, Daryl's pulled a lot of wizardry, but nobody's got any cap space. Uh, It's such a bad contract. I don't know how you do it. The the Rockets would have to give away a first-round pick two years from now and then one five years from now because they've already given up this year's first-round pick. So what they can do is they can stretch him, I believe. I think they stretch him, and you're paying him $8 million a year for the next few years. You're, you're doing the Matt Maloney thing with him, but it's a little bit more expensive. Um, so that's what you do with, with the Ryan Anderson deal. You can, you can not sign Capella. Uh, which kills you, but do you want Capella or do you want LeBron James? I, I'll take LeBron James because I'm way closer to a championship with LeBron James. Can
1: I jump in here? Because you've been talking for about five minutes and I got a few things to respond with it. I, and I disagree with you on certain things. So right there, would you just said Capella? Because I, I, again, I the Rockets, if they're going to bring LeBron James in, they're going to have Chris Paul, James Harden, and Clint Capella, okay? they're going He's perfect. He's a post player. You need to have that defensive. LeBron's not going to want to come here and try to get some, you can't go out and find somebody of equal value to Clint Capella. You can't draft a rookie. You can't trade, you know, say, okay, we'll go do that and get like a Mo Bamba and expect him to come in and and be the equivalent, you know, if they were to trade up in the draft or something and get him and, and put him in and try to win a championship. But I want to first start off with your whole premise about, oh, the Rockets are the best destination for LeBron. Not necessarily. Look, I think that they're one of the top destinations for LeBron because of the relationship with Chris Paul, they're great friends, because of the Rockets just almost got to the NBA finals because he can come there come to the Rockets and immediately like you said be surrounded by some great players. But at, at, when you're talking about the Eastern Conference, you've got one opponent that you really need to beat, it's the Boston Celtics. Okay? So if he goes to Philadelphia, he automatically sh- shifts that there. I don't see Look, in the Western Conference, you always have really good teams that are over there. Like, look, even Utah this past season, uh, you know, was getting better. They're improving as a club. Minnesota improving as a club. Uh, You have, uh, you know, uh, teams like Portland. I mean, in the Eastern Conference, I mean, so even in your first and second rounds, you have to play tough teams. In the Eastern Conference— I mean, there's, like, he owns Toronto, okay, so you maybe can say that, but they're never, like, Washington, I mean, tell me when they're really ever a legitimate uh, championship contender. You know, they really only have to, if LeBron goes to the Philadelphia 76ers, he only really has to worry about the Boston
0: Celtics. But wait a second, is Washington... Are, are they any better or worse than Utah or Minnesota or Portland at the, at this point? I mean, really, are they? But I'm saying that that's like well, one of the. Poor, better Portland teams got swept WU. by New Orleans. I mean, cause well, seriously. New
1: Orleans, there's another good team with Anthony Davis over there. Look at like Oklahoma City with uh with uh, Russell Westbrook and all this sort of stuff. I mean, they, they're always these really good teams. The, the West is still from top to bottom. I'm talking about top to bottom the much better conference. So that means you got to get by a first-round series, a second-round series. While in the Eastern Conference, it's still kind of a pass in the first
0: and second round. Okay? May, at least in the first round. You might have a tougher second round hey, now. Hold on. Hold, hold on. The pass in the, in the first and second round was Indiana, which took him seven games because Cleveland stinks. The pass... In and, and, and the second round this year was Toronto because, yeah, they laid down and died. But if he played but somebody it's
1: usually, else. usually, but look, over the years, and even right now, would you look at the Western Conference and look at the teams that are over there and then look at the Eastern Conference? Eastern has a conference, has, you know, and they have some up and coming players like with Milwaukee and stuff. Yeah, but it's still the Western Conference is better. So I, w- I just want to say that, that like Philadelphia, if he goes there with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and the way that they can have young guys they can trade and add to the roster. That's something that's that's an easy fit for him. And then with the Lakers, I think that you forget with the Lakers, they have two max contracts they can offer. So if you're talking about LeBron James, he can either go LeBron James and, 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 and Paul George You can do LeBron James. There's a there's a team that would gladly sign Chris Paul for five years because they have the young guys to go around him and stuff and they can make trades. They have Julius Randle whom they can trade. They can trade uh, Brandon Ingram. They can trade Kyle Kuzma. They have young guys who are potential stars that teams might want to you know, trade for that they can get. And they have draft picks. They have all this stuff to build around. And it's Los Angeles. And they can go add players and do things. So immediately, if you have LeBron on your team and you have two other superstars with them, however they want to do it, because they can trade guys to get like a third guy there and do that and build it and get role players and team players would come to L.A. just to – I'm just saying that that's a realistic option. Don't rule out the Los Angeles Lakers. He has, a, you know, they're, because of the two max slots they have available, they can say LeBron, you know, here, Chris Paul, Paul George, whoever you want, bring with you, and we'll, we'll trade our young guys because we can add to the roster that way. So, I mean, the Rockets have a good chance, um, but they're going to have to. If they're going to have LeBron— There is no way you can say, okay, we're going to trade Clint Capella, or we're not going to sign Clint Capella. And there's not somebody that you can go out there and get for a post player. So he, it's going to be, you know, I agree with you that they'd have to, you know, renounce a lot of different players. You can
0: go out and get, you can go out and trade for a post player. You can't get Clint Capella, but but
1: that's a significant drop off because he's so key to the Rockets' defense. It's why they had a great defense with him and, and you know. He was the linchpin of it because he's the guy that's a shot blocker. He's the uh, well, rim no, protector.
0: Akita, no, he, it, yeah, he, he was a big, a good part of the defense, obviously. And he's perfect for the pick and roll. He, he's perfect
1: with, he's perfect NBA center. I just disagree with you that like whatever. He, no, you have to find a way to bring Clint Capella back. Unless you could find somebody like okay, if you're bringing in like uh you know a a Rudy Gobert or a you know a Karl Anthony, if you're bringing in somebody of that uh, that's maybe about an equal to him. But if you want to win a championship, right, you're not going to be going in and getting some guys who are you know like second tier centers and plugging them in and and saying you know alongside even LeBron as great as he is, he's not going to want to come in that kind of scenario because Chris Paul's often injured. You're going to have to gut your roster because of them. And and then you're going to just have
0: James Harden and, and LeBron. And that's not going to be able to win you just a championship. I, you know. So. Hold, hold on, hold on. You're not going to have to gut your roster. I'm saying you're keeping Eric Gordon. You're keeping P.J. Tucker.
1: But those are the guys you can trade. If you're going to get LeBron, that's who you can trade. You can trade. Your Eric Gordon is going to be the guy that goes. Okay. I mean, no, no, not 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 in my scenario. I just told you you're going to stretch Ryan Anderson. Yeah, the Rockets also aren't going to stretch Ryan Anderson. I disagree with you that too because look, that's a last resort thing. I. I I, I really, I. If you look at like, go look at clutch fans with the, that David Weiner who you've had on the show before. He says it, he points it out, and I agree with him. That's a last death because you don't want to hamstring your roster like five years from now. Like he said, the Matt Maloney thing. It's so imperative in today's your NBA window. Team. If you know. you're
0: keeping Chris Paul, which that is the plan, your window is for the next three or four years. That and and you've got it. You're you're gonna have to go for it. If you if you keep Ryan, you're look. I'm telling you, unless Daryl Morey has got one of the biggest tricks up his book that I've ever seen him do, I just don't see. Okay, we—I mean, do you want to bet, do you want to do this publicly on the podcast where we make a bet whether he can get rid of Ryan Anderson or or not? You know, the other way you're getting rid of Ryan Anderson, by the way, is you're you're, you're probably packaging him for Eric Gordon, which I don't think they want to do because Eric Gordon's a great contract. For what he gives a team that's going for a championship,
1: yeah. So I mean, that might be what you do to get package Eric Gordon in uh, order to. But uh, they
0: don't. They're not. They're not going to want to give up Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon to me is is more valuable for a championship team in in modern basketball than Clint Capella.
1: I disagree. I disagree with that because I look. I love Eric Gordon. He's a great player and stuff like that. But he, if you're getting LeBron James and you have James Harden and you have Chris Paul and you can round out your roster with some other, you have to have Clint.
0: Down no, no. You can find you, can find. you can find Clink You can find guys that can I do some of the th- things that Clint Capella you can do. You're not going to find anybody. It. Look, I understand. I'm not stupid. You're not going to find anybody as good as Clint Capella. But you can find guys that can do. Some of the things that Clint Capella can do, and you could do it cheaper because it's going to cost you twenty-five million dollars
1: a year. And I take that chance. I uh, that to me that he's just too—he's a young guy. He's he's perfect for the rocket system. He's getting better each year. I agree
0: with all of that. But if you can get LeBron James, then you got to get LeBron. But I, James. I think
1: that you can get LeBron James and and say Harden, Paul,
0: Capella. You've got four max guys, and you've got Ryan Anderson making $20 million. What salary cap are you working with? The Yankee salary cap?
1: I'm talking about finding some way to, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to find some way there to unload the Ryan Anderson contract by trading him with Eric Gordon plus, dra- you know, future draft picks. And that way, because that way you're just saying Eric Gordon's a great player. He's indispensable. You have, you know, you attach a, a couple of first rounders to it, That that type of, deal where you that's where you're able to ship him off and then you can sign uh have capella you can have lebron you can have chris paul you know so that's that's where you know, again that that that's what i'm talking about like being and I hate giving up Eric Gordon. I'm not. I'm saying this is only if they sign LeBron. If not, then you bring back the whole team. You sign Ariza again. You sign Gordon. I mean, you had still have Gordon under contract, but you 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 re-sign Ariza. You re-sign Clint Capella. You just re-sign the whole team, and you look to add to that roster with other players to to deepen the roster, so that you you know when you because inevitably you have to plan for Chris. Chris Paul, some kind of injury. Right. And what we were talking about, try to add somebody let Morey use his magic that way. But if you have an ability to go out and get LeBron James, yeah, you, but you have to like these are the these are the three guys. That's all, that's what I said last week. I, I hold to it this week. Those are the three guys you do whatever can move Earth to keep, you know. And I, I just don't think LeBron, I mean, those would be the three if he's like putting out, okay, I need to have these three eyes, you know, if I sign with you, I, I really feel like that's what he would say because that's maybe he might say another veteran on there too. I mean, like maybe he wants to have that, but it's LeBron. So it's like he'll he'll call the shots in this thing. And uh so I mean, there are just so many he he first has to signal an interest. He first has to say, I'm coming, and then you might be able to even work out a deal with Cleveland. It's not out of the question. It's going to be difficult because Cleveland might be upset with the fact that LeBron's leaving again and doing that, and trying to work a deal with them. But rather than letting him walk for nothing, they might be able to do a, some kind of sign and trade with him. So you can't rule out that possibility either. And and um,
0: you know, so there there are just so many different things, so many moving pieces in this. The thing about a sign and trade is you got to give them a real piece and with it with a team that's way over the cap even if LeBron leaves I think they're like way way over the cap but let me ask you this let me just ask you this simple question before we and 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 that's all I've got on the subject but my big question to you is what team do you got to beat over the next three or four years what's the team that you got to beat well it's the Golden State Warriors of course who is more valuable against the Golden State Warriors Eric Gordon or Clint Capella Look, that's a tough one because I still think
1: I still think with the way the Rockets switch around on defense and do things, you saw a lot with Clint Capella out there. And if you have LeBron James, he plays essentially the same position as Eric Gordon. So you're you you can I no, mean they no, can bo- no 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 well LeBron, LeBron James- can be a LeBron can be a guard. He can be a forward. He can do. I mean LeBron can be a power forward. LeBron can be a LeBron can do it all. I'm just saying that he's you have Chris Paul, James Harden, you have another backcourt. You need to have that post player, and you need to have that. You need to have that guy that look. Golden State has Draymond Green. That you you don't have. You know you have this guy that's who's a post presence, who's completely different, who alters games, shots, rebounds. You know that that's the guy that they have. The Rockets have something kind of similar with Clint Capella. He alters games because he. The way – he's a real shot-blocking presence he's turning into. He's a guy that, like, he, he played just as well as Rudy Gobert in the Utah series. I still think even in a matchup with the Golden State Warriors, you're going to want to have him because maybe if, you know – hey, maybe if uh, if you got to, like – I mean, Durant's a tough matchup, whatever, but I really think that he affected – I know Steph Curry went off a couple of times, but if if Steph Curry's, like, trying to go to the basket, he's got, like, uh, you know, Clint Capella there, uh, that's a tough one. Even, like, he got a couple of blocks on Durant. He, he, you know, he, he can basically, you know, he's somebody that if you're going to go to the basket, you're in, it kind of takes away a little bit, even though they have the Chris Paskin game at Golden State, even though they do a lot of different things and shoot threes and, and we know they're sensational. And if they go off, they go off, you just shake their hands. But I still feel like, you know, having Clint Capella there. Anchoring the post—that's a very important thing for the Rockets, and I just feel like you'll—you'll have, you know, you're going to need that in order to win a championship.
0: Yeah, I I don't know, RG. I mean, info at Houston Sports Talk. I'm I'm interested to hear what our listeners think. Uh, Do they feel like Capella or Eric Gordon, you know, is more valuable to hold on to? And keep in mind, you're paying probably $25 million a year or more for Clint Capella. I I would think somebody's going to offer him some major money as opposed to. Eric Gordon, who's making twelve million dollars a year, and I, 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 all I know is, look, I think a Clint Capella. I mean, this is like this is like saying, hey, I've got to let go of my son. Uh, this, you know, this I love this guy. I've loved, I've liked him from the moment that he stepped in the door with the Rockets.
1: I just don't think it's not like when Chandler Parsons left, and it's like, oh, okay, well, he's gone. I mean, the Rockets are having. I mean, this guy, he's he's very unique to this team. He's perfect for the pick and roll. He's perfect. He's a perfect kind of guy if the Rockets are missing their threes to get the rebound and the layup. I mean, he's he's perfect for anchoring the dif- defense as a shot blocker, uh, you know, and uh, a rebounder and just a defensive presence. He ups that defensive intensity. If, we, if you have him there anchoring your defense, I mean, I just feel that that's really good, knowing that he's underneath the basket. And I think the defense was so important. The Rockets were going to beat Golden State. It was because of the way they were playing defense. It was their defensive intensity. It was the way that they brought it. And I I really don't want to lose P.J. Tucker. That's a guy, I, I mean, I know he's under contract, but you might have to renounce him if if you go after LeBron or something. So, I mean, they're just different. I mean, there are all these different guys that you potentially are going to lose Uh, Ariza gives you great defensive tenacity I mean that's why I think the Rockets were so good this year in the playoffs and they got so far is because of their defense it because you know offense can be well we saw it they went oh for 27 in game seven I mean they ended up losing that one but offense is fickle I mean you just don't ever know you know and we know with playoff hard and you just mentioned it it's the beard in the playoffs is he gonna appear is he not it's like you know going to the carnival what's gonna happen you know so it's like uh, with 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 Harden, uh, you know, and that's why, you know, if it, I, I saw like the, with the Lakers championship teams, I mean, they always, you know, would at least that was what Phil Jackson always preached is defense, defense, defense. It's because that's kind of what leads to championship. It's Popovich, too. That's I mean, those San Antonio teams, really good defense because you know that you can get the consistency on the defensive end every night playing hard, giving that intensity, full effort. And, you know, you just got to find some offense somewhere. So that's where. And and when you have LeBron James on your team too, he can really give you that offense. You know, we've seen it. He can be a one-man show. Then you have
0: Harden. Then you have Chris Paul. I watched the uh, series with the Rockets and Golden State, and the Rockets' success on defense was because the little guys were getting in the face of the Golden State. I mean, I mean, I, I love Capella, but he wasn't making an impact like he was against other teams. I that agree the with you. Played. I agree with
1: you on that. I just think that you know, getting you still are going to need to beat the other teams too in the Western Conference, and I know that you have to think about how's your roster constructed for Golden State. I realize that, but that's getting a lot of wing players on your roster that can play well defensively, that can go out and do these switches on Golden State. In uh, you know, like a, you know, your your Ariza's, your Mubuamute's, Mubu- you know, those type of players. You need to still go out and get those type of wings, and there'll be some available that you can go and get. I just feel like you just need to have Clint Capella on your roster for that playoff run and even getting to the finals and you'll still need him there and doing that. But you're right. I mean, against golden state, he wasn't as effective as he was the first two series, but I I just still, to me, he's such a key component for this team and he's really the the main guy down in the low post. I get your
0: point. I just believe that Eric Gordon, it's a lot harder to find Eric Gordon's on the cheats than it is to find Clint Capella. And here's the thing, Eric Gordon You got to get somebody that can occasionally give you 20, 25 a night because the one thing that we know is Chris Paul gets hurt in the playoffs and James Harden disappears. So if LeBron James comes over, he needs at least one guy that might be able to show up and get you 20 or 30 a night, and that's the benefit of But that's going to be James
1: Harden. Come on. If LeBron James is on this roster and he's going out there and doing that and you're playing there, it's got to be James Harden showing up. He doesn't have to be the guy that you're, like, depending on. Because look, when Chris Paul went out, it was like you know James Harden was back to being the solo guy in offense, and you yeah, had Yeah, and
0: that. when James, like James Harden, won't get James Harden wouldn't get you, he wasn't having great offensive nights when Chris Paul was was healthy. But there's
1: guys you can go out there and get, go you know. There's always like a Jamal Crawford you can go get. Remember, nobody was thinking
0: of the. There's Rockies guys that, on that their- you can get, but guys that don't play defense. Don't play with heart. Don't don't have the game that Eric Gordon have, and and, and aren't going to cost Eric you. Eric Gordon's
1: great, but I don't think he's indispensable. When you're talking about these are the the guys that are indispensable. If you add a LeBron James and LeBron James gonna be playing forty five, forty six, he can score, and James Harden can score. Come on, that's enough. You, those just having those two guys and the way they can pick up fouls and draw and go to the thing. To me, that's like right there. You know, I mean. I, I still think and – th- and then you can go out and find some other guy that you can trade for, I, you know, find some way to sign to, to, uh, to, to the Rockets, you know, rounding out the roster that can be a guy that can give you points off the bench. I know wing players are hard to find that can do it all you know, and maybe they'll go after Paul George. We're saying all this about LeBron James and it might be Paul George that the Rockets are secretly eyeing. I don't know, but it's just like, for me, in either, in either case, they're both LeBron or Paul George. Uh, to me, if they're, they're coming to the Rockets, the top three that I'm protecting are Chris Paul, James Harden, and Clint Capella. You're protecting Eric Gordon. So like, I, I would be interested to hear other people say this too. And so, I mean, email at the info at net because I, I, I'm, I'm just kind of like, those are the three that I would and
0: you're saying that that's the hold on that's the phone ringing RG that that's 1985 calling they loved your take (laughs) I mean
1: Clint Capella is also perfect for today's NBA he's he's you know he's quick he you know he he you know can go up and down the floor uh you know grab rebounds like put in layups I mean he's not a good free throw shooter so hey that's like you know uh that's that's a detriment but uh you know, so they can maybe try the hack-a-shack type of thing at the end of games with them. But, I mean, otherwise, I, I mean, I still think he, for the Rockets, the way they run their offense, because remember when they're going down and shooting up the three-pointers and everything, and he's sitting underneath the basket do there, and he anchors their defense. So, I mean, I just... I just, And he's perfect for the pick and roll. He works really well with James Harden on the pick and roll. Remember how we always used to say Clint Capella? When he was out even, you would notice a difference in James Harden's game. It's just like he's he's really kind of mastered a lot of the little things. He's become a real force. He neutralizes you know a lot of the other teams when you're talking about it. you know, Hey, if the Rockets have to face an Anthony Davis, if they have to face a Rudy Gobert, if they have to face a Carl Anthony Towns, don't you want to have Clint Capella instead of some like Zach Petulia that you have to throw in there at the center? Come on.
0: Pick and rolls are great against other teams. They didn't work against Golden State. They shut that down. I mean, that's that's what Golden State does. That's what Draymond did. I mean, love him or hate him, he'd absolutely shut down the, pick and roll, the Rockets' pick and roll. Uh, maybe they should have tried more. Maybe they should have tried more often. You can make that argument. Maybe I would. But still, uh, it, it just wasn't the same as it was against other teams. And you're trying to beat Golden State. And unfortunately, that's the deal. And I think... You're going to be fine against those other – you know, I know you're losing Clint Capella and what he can do against Rudy Gobert and whatever, but if you got LeBron James and James Harden and Chris Paul and Eric Gordon with Mike D'Antoni coaching and all that kind of stuff, you'll be fine. You're going to be fine against those other teams. But it, it, well, know,
1: everybody said that. I mean, it was like when Mike D'Antoni had Amari Stoudemire right on his teams, the seven second or last with Steve Nash and all that. That's when their teams were at the best. And it's like you couldn't just like, oh, well, we'll leave. We'll lose Amari Stoudemire. He goes to the Knicks and all that. They weren't the same team after that. They just weren't. It's like sometimes you need to have you have to have kind of even for this fast pace up and they, they didn't
0: add LeBron James. They added like ninety year old Shaq. That yeah, was and so
1: when you add <laughs> LeBron James too, he's also going to make things easier for Clink. He's going to make it easier for the whole team. You're like worried about like where are they going to get the extra offense? They got James Harden, the MVP, who's the best offensive player in the NBA. They got Chris Paul still, who's a great offensive player. So it's just like. And they'll be able to round out with some other guys. I'm confident about that. That's why I'm just saying with LeBron, you add him. I mean, it's just like what they don't have, what they won't have is like the defensive force, the shot block. He offers unique things. He gives you a unique skill set. I want that skill set. So anyway, that's my rant.
0: At HST Podcast, uh, go to our Facebook, whatever. Let us know. That's it for this one. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks again for listening, and if you're new to the show, subscribe to Houston Sports Talk on iTunes, Stitcher, or the TuneIn app. If you have an Android device, download our free Houston Sports Talk app. You can keep up with this show and my daily Locked On Texans podcast on Twitter and Facebook, or by going to HoustonSportsTalk.net or LockedOnTexans.com.